Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Kirschman, here with Kim Francois, uh, Senior Sponsorship Activation Manager for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, really excited to just talk to Kim about not only her journey to where she is now, but also the power of sport, uh, the partnerships world, uh, some things through the pandemic in which partnerships have been able to shine a bright light for some brands and, and some sports properties throughout this time. Uh, and Kim, this is this is part of the uh, DeVos Sports Management Program series, The Power of Sport. Uh, really excited to have you on, so welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's my actually first podcast, so exciting. So hopefully, I won't hey. too bad. <laughs> you know, you know, as as we like to have fun on this on this podcast, you know, it's it's a bunch of fun conversations, right? And and I think. Uh, we, we try and keep it light. I'm going to definitely give you some rapid fire at the end, uh, maybe throw a curveball to you uh, one way or another. But, you know, let's just start out with kind of your your quick journey to where you are as, as uh, our co-host Andy Dolich likes to say, uh, your roadmap. Okay, well, I'm going to try to give you the shorter version. Um, so I attended the Florida State University. I think a marketing degree there. And then I went over to University of Central Florida. Like you mentioned, I was in the DeVos Sport Business Management Program, got my MBA there, also a, a master's in sport business management. That took me to the Atlanta Hawks and the Thrashers. Um, I was there for about three years working on sponsorship activation, then moved over to Warner Media, um, where I was there for about eight years. So I did a couple things there. Um, I worked on NBA.com, NCAA, NASCAR. Um, I even had opportunity to work in production, which was really fun. Um, I was working on NBA TV and TNT and just managing marketing projects, um, any programming, which meant going on commercial shoots. So have a couple fun stories there. Um, and then I took a chance after being in Atlanta for about 10 years and I moved to Dallas, not knowing anyone um, to work for a marketing agency that I was very fond of um, when I was in grad school. So did that. Um, and then an opportunity came up with the Mavs and my friend actually reached out to me, someone I went to the grad program with. And she said, hey, I think this would be good for you. And it was. Um, I applied, got in, and I've been there ever since. So um, it's been 11 months now. My first game was actually against the Lakers. <laughs> Um, on November 1st. So it hasn't been a full year yet, but um, it's been good so far. Well, you make it sound so easy. And, and, you know, probably part of that is because of the relationships that you've built over the years, right? And, and the foundation of those relationships, which makes sense as to why you're in the partnerships world, right? You probably have that kind of innate skill to continue to build those relationships. And um, let's talk a little bit about the partnership side of things, R regardless of whether it's you know, Mavs or Turner or the marketing arm or, you know, however, you know, you're going about the partnership world, um, it, a lot of it's the same. The context just might be a little bit different, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so as you, go ahead. yeah, I mean, as you think about the context, right, there's, there's a lot that goes into the arena, the venue, you know, everything's a little bit different. Each client's different. But from a partnerships perspective, what are the couple of things that you focus on from the activation side and also kind of the building the relationship? Yeah, so it always starts the way we've set up with corporate in our department is, you know, we have account executives that we work with and we're paired with. And they're pretty much in, you know, basically securing the deal, um, pitching that, you know, and sometimes we attend those meetings and sometimes we don't. But we basically work with them from the very beginning to make sure that what's in the deck 
is aligned with the objectives of the map. So we just want to take their partnership objectives and making sure that there's alignment there. Um, this is basically checking things off to make sure that it makes sense. So um, just always taking that first route of, you know, making sure that there's alignment and that the partner's objectives are met as far as expect expectations. So, um, and when it comes to relationships, you know, just always from the very beginning, um, making, making sure that you understand the brand and you understand the partners are very important because this is someone that, I know when I was, you know, for example, when I was at the Atlanta Hawks, you know, we would have small mom and pops, local businesses that had just one sponsorship night and, you know, that meant a, a lot to them, sometimes bigger than the bigger brands. So just making sure that you treat every um, project the same weight, because for that partner, it is very important to them, so. No, that's a great point, because no matter how big the size of the deal, how long the deal is, at the end of the day, a relationship is still the same, right? There's kind of, it's, it's one and one. Uh, and as you think about the way you've gone about the activation side of things, uh, you know, what are some of the, the best practices that you've found uh, throughout your career thus far that have really helped you along the way that someone could take from? Best practices. Well, um, everybody calls me basically at work. I'm very organized, I would say. You know, um, for me, I like to walk in and just say, okay, what, you know, like I mentioned before, what are the objectives? And I just basically create a timeline of all the assets that need to be um, completed and just making sure that I have relationships. Sometimes I just call the partner just to kind of get to know them so they can get to know me so they can understand I'll be their point of contact for um, the season and just kind of obviously trying to have um, a meeting or meeting them in person. Obviously COVID and this pandemic kind of changes things. So it'll be a lot of virtual calls, which I'm sure everyone is pretty much tired of at this point. But just be able, um, being able to create relationships from the beginning is something that I always strive for in every partnership that I have. What's something in those virtual calls, the virtual meetings that you've picked up on that it's something you might continue in the future because it's been like, oh, that's, that's more efficient or that's, you know, actually turned out better than I thought. Ooh, let's see. Let me think about that one. Um, I would say, you know, always providing, an, I know it sounds simple, you know, silly, but always providing an agenda because everyone's always like, do we need to have a meeting? Can we just <laughs> send an email? Um, so I always try to be organized by sending an email, I mean, I mean an agenda of basically what we're going to be discussing for that day. So they just have, you know, everything up, all the updates, all the status updates, um, and just try to limit those virtual conversations because at the same time, you know, they are probably over it by now. Hey, you have to have a meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting. I mean, that's just the way it goes, right? I mean, that's at the end of the day, uh, to your point, though, agendas can be great because you might be able to send an agenda over and say, hey, these are the two items I have. What do you have? Yeah. And you might be able to knock that out in a quick email exchange and you kind of pump the next conversation uh, for a couple of weeks or something like that, right? Exactly. And especially when you're using a shared doc. I mean, I know it's, it's been great, you know, as a team when we've been working on one shared doc so we can kind of just all get everyone's input um, and just be able to have that. So I know um, one thing that we were planning for next season because, you know, obviously this season was a little different for me because I was at home more than I was in the office because, you know, like I mentioned, I've been on the team for 11 months. And this pandemic, I've been at home for about six months. So um, just learning some things about like making sure that we're organized and just being able to put everything in black and white for the partner. And then just also 
having more maybe quarterly checks with the partner versus waiting until the end of the season to making sure their assets are fulfilled for the year, but just taking care of them more on a quarterly basis and just having more of those bi-weekly meetings and monthly meetings so everyone's on the same page. How do you go, so obviously you're a very organized person, how do you go about organizing your calendar? I'm going to go with, with this because it's something that, look, I know it's simple for people who are really organized, but it is very effective and can really improve, you know, people's uh, ability to work, be efficient and effective, et cetera. Yeah, so I actually, this came up in a conversation on our team um, call. I use OneNote and I like to use things that I'm able to pull up on my phone as well. So um, I'm one of those people that I love to see check marks. So when things or tasks are completed, I love to see that it's been checked off or crossed off. So. Um, I put those together and I also, um, with any type of um, project, I send a overview of what's going on with the projects, like who's responsible, phone numbers, timelines, and then I share that with the entire team, all the stakeholders, so they can find everything in one place. So just being able to get organized that way. That's great. I know, I know that there's definitely some people out there, maybe even those who are listening, who are like, man, I just cannot get away from writing stuff down on paper. And then, you know, you're moving files and, and I mean, it's just the one note. That's, that's the way to go. Yeah. When I write things down, I'm always looking back at what did I just write? What was that? Like, you know, cause I'm always scribbling. So uh, I always try to type it out versus write it out. There you go. All right. So let's talk a little bit on the partnership side uh, through the pandemic, you know, some of these learnings that you've been able to take from it, um, you know, the power of sport. I'll get to that towards the end of the, of this episode, but truly the power of the partnership and how, you know, a team like the Mavs or in association with whatever brand it is, have been able to utilize this time, even during the time in which there was this big pause and kind of the ramp up to whenever the playoffs were going to start. And now, you know, towards, towards the bubble and, and all that sort of stuff, how have partners been able to still utilize the brand uh, and, and the power of sport, even if they're not playing? So I just want to take a step back to answer that question. So, you know, obviously COVID, we, we heard about COVID and people were handing out, I remember that day, March 11th was the day we found out about, you know, the suspension of the season. So we were playing against the Denver Nuggets and we were winning, we were doing well. We went, I went into the break room, it was all over the news that, you know, it's possible that there's gonna be, well, it was a cancellation actually, it was another game that canceled. So we're like, okay, well, at least we're gonna finish this game, at least we're in the lead. So <laughs> uh, we were hoping to finish the game with the win and we did. And I think everybody knows when Mark, um, that, so that video that went around that Mark looking into the phone, seeing that the season was postponed. So due to COVID, so from a team perspective, it was very important always for us for, to give back, you know, to the community, to the employees, um, because this impacts everyone. So the first thing we did is, you know, we provided meals to frontline workers and, you know, PPE to essential workers and employees. So we were able to work with some of our sponsors that also wanted to align with us on you know those community needs so that was very helpful and just working with local businesses um, and you know also providing resources to assist with employees mental and physical health during the pandemic and i just wanted to point that out because we wanted to make sure that we took care of home first which was really important um, and as far as when it came to the part when it comes to partnerships you know the tough reality was that 
we had no fans in the stands. Like, it, you know, there was nothing that we could do about that, um, which obviously directly impacts ticket sales. And, you know, as one of the revenue generating departments, we had to take a look at this and say, what can we do to take care of our partners? So we just came up with some, um, the, the crazy thing about it is like, I would say that, you know, after the pandemic or not after, during the pandemic, we were able to come up with some ideas that will last past the pandemic um, because we don't know what's gonna happen. You know, all these things with high five lines and things like that, that might change. We don't know um, that interaction with fans and all of that. So we have to be, you know, we're obviously hopeful that things will go back to normal, but we don't know what the next 12 months is going to look like. Um, luckily for us, 80% of the season was completed. So that was a good thing. Um, there was only about 15 games left in the season and only seven was at home. So what we did is we basically took an audit of the assets that were completed um, and versus what weren't completed. And we just looked at in-game promotions, um, community features, um, um, you know, player meet and greets and so on. So we just took those assets and we said, how can we change those assets or reallocate those assets to make them digital or virtual? And that's what we did. So if you think about like we had, you know, player meet and greets that didn't happen. So we said, okay, let's use virtual, let's use digital. Let's, let's go back and say, let's, let's focus on maybe Q and A's with players or um, private meetings, like Zoom meetings where play, you know, fans are able to engage with these players. And the one thing that I love about the Mavs is that, you know, from a team organization like the um, front office and even with the players, everyone pitched in to help. So we had players that were willing to, you know, have these meet and greets and have these Zoom calls. And because they understood that people are in a pandemic and people love sports. That's kind of what keeps people going, you know, um, rooting for their teams and they wanted to give back in that, um, you know, that way. So I think we just found things and we were just creative with our departments on like, what can we do um, to make up these assets and how can we bring partners along on the ride? So just always thinking and being creative on those things and, you know, focusing on you know, like I mentioned earlier with the frontline workers, we had a partnership, you know, focusing on those frontline workers and telling their stories. And of course, partners want to get onto that because you're telling a great story and it hits home for everyone because it's impacting everyone. And, and the partnership's a two-way street too, uh, right? And, and in the sense that, yes, the, the brand is, is utilizing the, the platform of the Mavs, but it's also on the other side, right? There's probably, as you mentioned, the community aspect of things, the uh, the way to make an impact in the community. How did you go about using some of the brands and their platforms to help, whether it was something as simple as, I don't know, toilet paper. I mean, you, you know, you, you, right at the time, it was like, how do you provide for people and what they need? And maybe it was a grocery store and, you know, yeah. delivering food or whatever the case is. I feel like the toilet paper joke is going to be something we so laugh, we laugh back at, but at the same time, it, it was mind boggling. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, some examples. So yeah, some examples of that is, you know, obviously like we talked about, you know, being able to help out um, frontline workers. So we got uh, with our, a lot of our QSRs on providing meals to frontline workers, you know, um, bringing those to hospitals, um, you know, players were able to sponsor, um, not necessarily a food drive, but being able to um, provide meals for those, um, to those hospitals and things of that nature. So we just focus on the community and how we can work together to help our fans and our community. So um, just working together. 
Yeah, no, it's a great, it's, it's obviously from the partnership perspective, right? It's, it's having that relationship, as you mentioned earlier in the episode to, to be able to do those things, right. To have those transparent conversations and sometimes those tough conversations to be able to figure out what you're going to do. And you can't do that if you don't have the relationship aspect uh, from the beginning. So uh, to that note, you know, how do you continue to go upon building that relationship uh, and, brainstorming with some of the partners to go, Hey, we know your business is changing. How can we help you in the future, even though it's uncertain, right? But you're going to continue to brainstorm and and see what might work. I think um, it was important to be transparent. You know, um, a lot of things that we were waiting on um, feedback from the league on what was going on for me, if it didn't come from our CEO, St. Marshall or from the league, I didn't want to really you know, share too much with the partner because I didn't, because we didn't know until it was like, like told directly to us. And obviously there was things floating around about when the NBA was coming back, what that format would look like. So until things were like definite, we, you know, didn't want to share all that information, but, you know, just being completely transparent and saying like, look, we don't know. We understand that this is like a very gray area right now, but what we're going to do is take the assets that we do know we can accomplish like through these, you know, social programs and, you know, basically using our social platforms we're gonna focus on that right now because that's something that we can do. Having these events, these Q and A's, these um, Zoom calls, um, that's something that we can focus on. So we just made sure to just have that um, open dialogue and we had that with the partners as well. If they were having struggles or issues, um, you know, we, we made sure that they want, we wanted to make sure that they were transparent with us as well on those issues. And that's important because like you mentioned about relationships and having a good relationship and having trust in that partner and that partner having trust in you to, you know, explain, you know, the the possible issues or what their um, goals are or how they can accomplish those goals in this pandemic. No, absolutely. And as we wrap up kind of the partnership piece, we'll get to the power of sport. What's one thing from the from the outside that a brand, someone else at a different league, wouldn't know about the inner workings of partnership activation uh, within an NBA team? Oh wow! Um, approvals, <laughs> and I laugh about that because it it takes more than just one team to get things done. You know, um, working in in sponsorship, you touch so many different teams. You know, you work with community, you work with marketing, you work with the creative studio. So to get maybe one graphic done sometimes. So, you know, there's, there's a process and there's an approval process. And, you know, sometimes when we give um, deadlines, you know, we, we always have to buffer them because we know sometimes clients get back to us a little too late, but just, just understanding that it is a process. And unfortunately we can't just always say yes to everything we want to, of course, but, um, you know, there's a lot of um, people that also have to touch these projects and to get their buy-in and all of that. So I know it's our responsibility to make sure that, it, you know, they, they buy into it, but there's a lot to, to deal with that. Yeah, it's always, you know, the deadline thing. I know we, we talked about it at the beginning. It's tricky, right? Like, yeah. how much do you buffer in? You got, you got, you're relying on a bunch of different moving parts, and well, it's not easy. Yeah. And it was easier when I was in the office, you know, because I would just go walk to someone's desk and I'm saying, and I say, hey, so can you help me out here? I have a favor. It's a little bit harder when you're like, you know. Hey, if they, if they don't answer your phone call, I mean, that, you, you, there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Or yeah, or when they read your message and you see the icon that says it's red and you're like, <laughs> um, any updates? 
So. <laughs> no, that's great. All right, let's transition to the power of sport. I'm going to ask you, like I have been throughout the series, your definition of the power of sport. Um, okay, well, the power of sport. Huh. Are we talking about the power of sport like as a professional or are we talking about just the, like the power of just like as a fan watching sports? I would say whatever it means to you. <laughs> Um, to me, the power of sport is about relationships. You know, we, you know, for me working in the NBA, this is my third NBA team. It's like we talked about before. It's a small world. Um, relationships are important. Giving back is important. Um, when I think about me and how I've gotten to the place I'm at today, you know, it was based on those relationships that I've had with people and being able to, um, empower people and give people the confidence to get further in their careers. Sometimes it's hard because every path is not the same. Um, just being able to um, network and just build on those relationships to get you to where you are and then not for, and not forgetting where the path that you did have to take and always giving back. You know, for me, um, I want to mentor. I like to mentor. I, you know, when this pandemic hit, I, I know I went on to my LinkedIn and I said, if I've ever worked with you in the past, please reach out, see how I can help you. Um, because it is a small world um, working in sports. And if I can help someone else get to where they want to be, you know, in this in the sports industry, I'm going to do that a hundred times. Um, because, you know, I, I would say that my path wasn't always easy. You know, I've had to deal with, you know, adversity and things like that. And I just want to make it easier for someone else. So that's why I think um, just working in sports itself is powerful. No, that's great. And, and I'll add to that last piece from an adversity perspective. Look, the titles, the logos, it's all glorious, but everyone's got an adverse path one way or another. There's always a bump in the road. There's always a step to the left or the right that you didn't expect you had to take or, or step back maybe even in that sense. Um, and I, and I would, I guess I'd ask you before we go to rapid fire, you know, from an adversity perspective, whether it's moving from a different place to, you know, you mentioned, I think at the beginning of this episode, you moved to Dallas and you didn't know a soul. Right. And yeah. that's not easy. Um, obviously you could say, well, anyone has to do that, but that's also, you know, part of just getting to understand the community, learn the community, branch out and all that sort of stuff. So what's been the biggest piece of adversity for you? Uh, and how how do you think you've had to overcome it? So um, I would say for me, you know, when I when I started the program um, at DeVos, we focused a lot on diversity and inclusion. Um, and one thing when I graduated from the program, I understood that going into the sports world that there might not be a lot of representation of people that look like me. Um, so that was very important for me to come in and understanding that um, dynamic and being able to work through that. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, especially in the departments that I've worked in in the past, there might be a time where I might be the only person in the room. And then that's, you know, and obviously I understand that, um, but it's just, it's, it's great for diversity to be um, always considered because people have different walks of life. Um, I've learned different perspectives from different people in the room. So it's always been important. So a lot of times where I, I felt like I've had to deal with adversity was because sometimes of the lack of diversity. So I would say that would be probably the, the, I, if I had to 
hit a, a bump in the road, that would that's probably where it would be. You know, you, you don't get too caught up on um, where you could be, but focus on where you are now and the impact that you can make um, right now. And I feel like I'm making that impact. I feel like um, working for the Mavs right now, you know, we have one of the most diverse teams in the league. And I feel like we have, a, everyone has a voice um, at the Mavs. And I feel like I'm growing within the, the, the first year that I've been here, I'm growing more than any other position I've ever been in, which is great, you know. Um, my leadership team, you know, we talked a little bit about Mackie. Um, he is the leader on our team and he, you know, encourages all for all of us to have voices on the team and, you know, get taking, go ahead, Kim, and take the lead. And I appreciate that because I've had, you know, there was certain times where that didn't happen. So just being able to do that has been great. So I take that adversity and I learn from it and I help grow the younger people on my team. Um, because like you mentioned, we all go through different things. So I think by going through that, I have a full perspective of, of, of how it works in, in this profession and what's important and how you can grow your people. Yeah, I mean, with every step of the way too, you always learn something different, something new from something, someone else, a different relationship that you're able to create, right, as well. And um, let's go rapid fire to wrap this episode up. Uh, you know, it's everyone's favorite. I, hopefully, the, hopefully, you know, I don't throw you too many curveballs, but all right. Florida, Texas, what's the best place of the South? Florida. <laughs> That's where I'm from. It's just a melting pot of just different cultures. And um, I mean, I've only been in Texas two years. Um, it's hot. I mean, it's hot in Florida, but at least we have the beach. Um, so I'm going to say Florida. All right. NBA arena. I'm sure you've been to quite a few. Um, what's the most unique thing you've seen at an arena? Okay. So, um, when I was at the Hawks, it was Phillips arena, but now it's obviously state farm arena. And, um, while I was working at the marketing agency, we actually had a, um, a project there at the arena and they have a barbershop. So that they they win hands down. So State Farm Arena, barbershop, that's pretty. What's an event you haven't been to that's definitely on the list to go to in the future? Mm, um, I want to go. My team is really bad right now, but um, I want to go to um, a championship where Florida State is playing. <laughs> I know it's like <laughs> a bowl game. We might might have to wait a while. Might um, have to wait a while. Yeah. So I've never done that. So. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully, hey, you know, you never know. Uh, anything can happen in a season, right? So. Not this season, but a season, yes. That's right. That's right. All right. Last one for you. Uh, you know, you've got, uh, you've got plenty of experience across, you know, different properties teams, etc. If there is an industry you had to work in outside of sports, what would it be? I would be a wedding planner. <laughs> That's cool. Um, just because I'm so organized. It's the organized. It's the, it's the organization, the wedding planner. I, that makes total sense. Wedding planner. I just, yeah, I'm just my, my family, my friends, they hate it. Like every time we go on any type of trip, I have the itinerary together. I'm just yeah. like, have to go do this so um yeah i would say a wedding planner 
for sure. Is, it, is there a TV show about wedding planning? Is there or something of that sort? Um, I'm sure there was. I, I used to watch it a lot, but then I was just like, can't cut it out because you're not moving, you're not changing your careers. So it, it's just some, my guilty pleasure of watching. So. Hey, nonetheless, if there's a wedding to plan at the arena for the Mavericks, you there's someone that, that is in the arena that can do it, right? I would just need a bridal company um, to, to, to sign in with us. So we could uh, do that at the arena. That'd be pretty cool. Right? I mean, hey, you, you're trying to create experiences at the end of the day that whether it's a fan, whether it's someone who just is in the community, right, to, to create that special moment one way or another. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, last thing as we wrap up, you know, your experience at the DeVos program, um, what is one thing that you would give from an advice perspective to a student there right now uh, as they embark on their journey as well? Do I just have to give one? Just one. Okay, just one. Um, but, but you can get, I mean, hey, it's, it's, it's your show, so whatever okay. you want. Okay. Um, I would say, obviously, to work hard. Um, you know, a strong work ethic is key in this industry. You know, um, I know we didn't go too deep into my, my career path, but at one point I was laid off um, when I was working at, um, you know, um, Warner Media. And it was scary. It, it was like, you know, my first like real job and, you know, I, I got laid off and I wasn't sure. but. I got picked up from another department six weeks later. And the reason for that is because I had those relationships and because I worked really hard and they were able to see that. You know, I didn't know that they were looking at me for this opportunity. And, you know, when I got laid off, they were like, Kim, there's an opportunity here. You know, you know we want to interview you. And I got the job. And, you know, that changed into something else and it continued to grow and grow and grow. So. You just never know what can happen by having a strong work ethic. And you know, you should always, always take the initiative and just take pride in your work and you excel. I think that's a mic drop right there. Uh, <laughs> Kim, Kim Francois, appreciate the time, the insights, and uh, really enjoyed ch chatting with you uh, along your journey, the power of sport, uh, and par as part of the DeVos Sports Management Program, uh, Power of Sport Series. So appreciate it. Thank you.